0: out your name today El Shaddai the Almighty Elohim the self-existing one Lord Jehovah God Almighty all down to the Old Testament and then revealed in the New Testament as Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever We cry out your name, Lord. You're certainly worthy of our praise today. And I pray, oh God, today that you'll just receive our worship. That you'll just speak to hearts and lives and reveal yourself and anoint us. Lord, may it be today that your Holy Spirit speaks. That you speak through us as oracles of God to minister the word of life. There are those, Lord, that have needs among us today. We pray that you'll just meet those needs, Lord, and bring healing. Our sister Hollis that we've already prayed for, Lord. Oh, God, I, I just ask in the name of Jesus, you'll just be her comfort today and give her strength. Lord, oh, God, you promised you'd never leave us or forsake us. So, Lord, we pray, God, that even though that she may be up in the upper years and you just be with her in this time and bring a healing for her body and a strengthening to her. Lord, that's the way we want to live. That's the way we want to be. We want to be able to give our best for you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll bless your children, Lord. Ever need supply, we ask. Bring healing and deliverance in your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I'm going to just have you turn to the Bible this morning. Thank you. Genesis chapter 18. We'll read from the first verse and uh, read down through about uh, verse 8. So the Lord appeared unto him, speaking of Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes, and lo, and looked and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them. He ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort you, your hearts. After that, you shall pass on... For therefore you come to your servant and they said so do as thou hast said and abraham hastened into the tent unto sarah and said make ready quickly three measures of fine meal and knead it make cakes upon the heart and abraham ran into the herd and fetched um calf tender and good and gave it to the young men and he hastened to dress it and he took butter and milk and the calf which he addressed and set it before them. And they stood by them under, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Amen. God bless you. can be seated. I want to welcome each one of you today in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and to say it's a privilege to be here and gather together with you today. We um, also wanted to welcome uh, a new couple and family in our church Brother Creed and Sister Abigail Wheaton, their daughters Hannah and Laura. Would you just stand so everybody know who you are? And, Amen. We want to welcome you. They've come to sojourn among us. God bless you. Amen. Amen. And um, we pray that the Lord will just bless you in every way and provide for you in every aspect of your life. And and um, so we're just happy that you've come to be with us. Put your shoulder to the wheel with us. You know, you, you won't be an observer no more. We're going to hand you a sword. Amen. Amen. We get in the battle and we fight the good fight of faith. Oh my, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord and thanking God for all his goodness. We saw Wednesday night, a young brother come to the Lord and surrender his life and many others down at the altar. and. We're thankful for the Lord for that. He was a visitor from North Carolina there, a brother to Brother Manuel uh, Walker that um, was also here, and, and uh, they've been down doing a little bit of uh, helping me a little bit on a little project that we have uh, for the upcoming meetings to, to host uh, ministers and so on um, now and in the future. So it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it was just a wonderful to see the Lord just move upon a young man's heart. And we can see that when you get in the presence of God, lives are changed. As he said, I, the young man told me, he said, I, I, I don't believe in coincidence. I do believe that the Lord had this orchestrated, but I never expected to get what I got. Amen. Amen. So we thank the Lord for what he did for us. Also, we got um, little Jackson Oglesby that wants to be baptized today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you know, Jackson is, um, he's a special little guy, not only special, he's my grandson, but you know, he's uh, been a really special little young man since he was born and has a real love for the Lord and he may be young and and a child yet, but he, uh, he really loves the Lord and uh, I know grandma had him uh, during the Ohio camp meeting, and they stayed up uh, late and, and watched uh, the whole things. And, no, he didn't sleep. He got down on his knees and praying during the whole prayer line and all the way till about 12, 1 in the morning. So, you know, he just has a real sincere heart for God. And, and so that's what we want to see is our young people come to know the Lord Jesus. And I pray if you don't know him today, you'll come to know him. And to know him is to love him, amen, and, and to, to serve him. Now, this morning, I'm going to be speaking on the soul desire, the soul's desire. We're speaking about the feast with Elohim. And, um, you know, as we have been on this uh, subject of Abraham, of course, you know, Brother Branham almost preached on Abraham nearly every sermon that he preached. He would at least mention if he didn't preach the whole sermon on Abraham and his life because it's a prophecy of the last day. And so um, here we are finding that, that Elohim comes, the almighty God comes and, and he he, he visits Abraham under the tree at Mamre. And while he is there, we have read where Abraham feeds him under the tree. And uh, then we see in the last verse that he, that he stood there giving his full attention to, uh, to those as they were, were feeding and eating. And uh, I thought about how important this is in our day and hour, seemed like, whether it be advertisement or some movie or some um, uh, thing out, uh, even a billboard along the side, everybody and everything's wanting a part of your mind. And they're wanting to come somehow or another implant a, a thought of influence within you. And, and so it's very important on what you feed upon. And I thought, you know, as we followed up on the Ohio camp and and, uh, the experiences that you had and the things that God did, and I I just want to instruct you as a pastor about feeding your experience on the Word of God. And uh, so we, we are seeing here that this is an appearing of Christ. Um, that he appears to Abraham, and it was Christ. It was before he took on the flesh of Jesus, but it was, it was the Spirit of God. And the, here he comes and takes on flesh, 16 elements, and, and steps down into a body that he has made. And, and when he does, um, he is hungry. And he is, he is dusted from walking upon the earth, and he needs his feet washed. And uh, and of course, um, Abraham sees him, and the first thing that he is set upon is showing him some hospitality, giving him food, and seeing to his comfort and welcoming him. And I, I just want to say that we have been in this appearing since the message came. This is what we are in. We are in the time of the Lord's appearing. But I want you to understand where that he's appearing in. Remember, Brother Branham would tell us that, that there would be a forerunner in this last day and that as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, he was sent to, with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. But in this he says the for, second forerunner will do the same as the first forerunner, but this time pointing to a word born bride. So I want you to understand the coming of Christ. When we're looking for his coming, we remember that he comes in, in a word form to a prophet and a message is given to us. And that is order to get a bride and for that to take on flesh. And so then his, the second aspect of his coming is a bride coming. Because there would be no use for him to come unless there was a people made ready. And so the word is given to us to make us ready, to prepare us to meet the bridegroom. And I'll just tell you as a pastor, I want you ready to meet the bridegroom. And of course he says, he he tells us here that, um, again, an unveiling of God, he he gives us some more insight upon this. And he talks about how God would descend and he would appear to Moses and and, um, and then that would be God manifested, uh, God in portion to Moses. And then, and then finally the fullness of God would come after being manifested through all the prophets and the Psalms and the songs of Solomon and all of that, that now it would be all manifest in Jesus. And Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen, so when he came there, it was the same God, but he was just changing his mask as it was. And so um, the the only thing he changed his mask, he never changed his word, he never changed his nature. So whether it's God in portion or God in, in fullness, he is always the same yesterday, today and forever. And he only changes his forms. He would change from Noah to Moses and change forms from Moses to David, from David to Joseph, until finally the fullness of all the prophets and all of the Psalms and all of the songs of David, all of these, the wisdom of Solomon, everything, become all encapsulated in Jesus Christ. And so there Jesus would be the fullness then of all the prophets, the Psalms, the wisdom of Solomon on down right into Jesus Christ. Now, he has been doing the same thing since um, the beginning of the church ages. But this time God has been taking on different kinds of veils. He showed he he would come in the veil, the flesh of man on the day of Pentecost. Now, in the Reformation, he would come through Luther and Wesley. It would be God again revealing himself and taking on a veil. He would use his church to reveal himself through. And then finally, it comes out again to the complete are the fullness of the Godhead, all that was in Luther and Wesley, the justification there, the sanctification there, the baptism of the Holy Ghost of the Azusa Street Revival, all of that would be encapsulated in a bride people in this last day. So it comes out into the complete. But before it comes to complete, a prophet rises again and he foreshadows that and he reveals what's been left off so the church won't be without understanding and then he fades off the scene for he says, as John did, I must decrease, he must increase. Now where he's gonna increase is in the bride of Christ until the actual consummation where he comes in a physical form and we are caught up to meet him in the air. Now understand then then how he's going to be in his people in this last day. It'll be the same Jesus in bride form. It'll be the same power, the same church, the same word, all encapsulated in a body called the bride of Christ. And it'll be the word that was in Luther and Wesley and all of the portions of scripture that had been illuminated now come alive in a people in the last day. And finally he comes right down to where as it was seed. Uh, The wheat uh, seed that was planted on the day of Pentecost now comes to harvest time and it comes back seed again. When you get the seed, you can't go any further than the seed other than take it into the garner, into the rapture. All right, so you see there, there again, he is, he is moved as it was like from Luther to Wesley to Pentecostal, the, the tongues and the lips and to the eyes of the prophetic of Malachi 4. And then finally there's nothing else left but for him to step into it. Now, so that's the last thing there is where the body is complete and he steps into that body and that's what God is doing in this last day is stepping into a bride body. Now, so he can use your flesh just as well as he could create some back there. When he, when he appeared to Abraham, remember he would gather the dust and he would step into a body and appear to Abraham under the tree of Mamre, When he did, he would would eat. He would be washed. Amen. There would be dust upon his clothes. Is is somebody with me? But now, you see, he doesn't have to do that anymore, create a body like that. He creates one by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. By cleansing the people, God comes and dwells in that body. So, you see, we ought to say here today, God used my dust to come and dwell in. Amen. Come use my body. Let my body be the temple of the Holy Ghost to dwell in place of God. So the angel of the Lord is here. That same pillar of fire. Jehovah God in your flesh and in my flesh. Amen. Now, so the son of man, which is Christ, is being revealed in bright body. Now, I'm getting this down to you because I want you to understand we're not talking about so much an external appearing now where that under a tree here comes a man in flesh and, and, and Abraham calls him Lord and he entertains him. But I want you to see where that this going to be entertained is not out here under a tree somewhere. Somewhere external, but now God has come internal. And where the entertainment's going to take place, where he's got to be fed, is the inward man. Now then, we have brought it from out there to in here. Because he's using my dust. So God dwells in you. The Bible said if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. So the spirit of Jesus Christ comes to dwell in you by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me just go through some scripture here from Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by, with his might by his spirit in the inner man. So where is the strengthening come? Food strengthens the individual, the diet. Look, strengthen with, with might by his spirit, where? Amen. In the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So who's dwelling in you? Christ dwelling in you. Let's go again to 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. For God who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, Jesus Christ, in earthen vessels, not that, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So again, he is the treasure in this earthen vessel. And he should be treated with awe and respect as a treasure. So Christ lives in us, earth and vessels, as a precious treasure, revealing the glory of God to us from within. So you see the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they have an external religion, but ours is an internal religion. It's where God comes into the heart and dwells. And the nature of God lives on the inside of you. And when it does, it has the same desires that God has. Now, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. For he said, when it pleased God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace and, and to reveal his son in me, Notice where Christ had to be revealed in. Here's where the revealing of Christ takes place. It's more than a doctrine. It's more than a teaching or a book of creeds or dogmas of man. It is absolutely the revealing of Christ in you. Remember again, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Without Christ in you, there is no hope for you in glory. Amen. Now, we might think this verse should read, it pleased God to reveal his son to me. But in the Greek, the original language, this unmistakable, a preposition there of in. So the verse reads, to reveal his son in me. Here's where the revelation of Christ has gotta be, is in you. So God's plan is to reveal his son in us rather than to us. Because if it's just to us, it's still an external religion. It's it's law, it's not grace. When it's grace, it's something, a work in the inward man. Now, again, Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So Paul is very explicit, Christ is living on the inside of me. And because he lives in us, the Christian life is not a matter of trying to behave like Jesus, but of instead of allowing him to live in us and through us. It's no longer you trying, it's him living out of you. Now, so, so Paul would say, to for Christ lives in me, it's a marvelous statement of what it means to be a Christian. The Almighty God can dwell within you, reside within your soul. So now think about how the Bible puts this in Revelation 3.20, and here's a verse to our age. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will do what I did with Abraham. I will sup with him and he with me. So look, Laodicea, the age is offered and appearing. He's passing by. I want to say he stands at your door and he knocks and says, if you can hear my voice, And you will open up the door. I will come in. And I will sup with you. And you with me. So, this Laodicea, this age, is offered the same visitation that Abraham had. Amen. I want you to get the stop now because this time he's coming to your tent. He's passing by your tent. He's coming to your door. And you know, if you can hear his voice, my goodness, there's every kind of a noise out there today of every kind of voices that there is the voices of politics, the voices of sin, the voices of reasoning, the voices of education, the voices of men's ideas and religious views and everything. But if you can hear my voice, I'll come in and I'll sup with you and you with me. Remember, I want to share this with you from the voice of the sign, a sermon that he said, his voice will speak one day, a sign will come. And what will it do? The Laodicean sign must be as it was then. There will be a voice speak to us in the last day. Remember, Laodicea sign. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he was put out of the church there in Laodicea, we find he's put out again on the outside. And look, the voice says, if any man will cooperate, if anybody will let me in, I'll come in and we'll sup with them and they with me. I'll come in and I'll be in them. Standing on the outside of the rank of the churches, knocking, trying to get in. Remember, I told you that as Brother Branham preached the sermon, the Laodicean church age, he emphasized there Jesus with dirty feet. The unwelcome Christ, the unentertained Christ. Remember, the meanest man in Santa Maria, or the meanest man in town, is, is not the prostitute trying to get to Christ. It is the Pharisee, the religious one, who's sitting there in the pew and refusing to wash his feet. So he said, come in. If any man will open the door just like those on the road to Emmaus, come in and abide with us. Let's break bread together. They had this stranger walking with them after the resurrection. It was Christ revealed to them, the Bible said, in another form. Amen. He is here, but he's in a different form. You know, you're looking for the man walking down the, the, the aisle today as uh, the man uh, with nail scarves. That's not where he's, that's not the way he's appearing. He's appearing in his people. Amen. Right here in this church, right here among you, right here, coming to your tent, knocking at your door. Now, you can be the greatest sinner in the city. You don't even have to be religious to do that yes, sir. and turn him down, right. yes. refuse to wash his feet, Amen. refuse to entertain him, refuse to feed him. Oh, that's right. We're gonna have some real serious things here. Yes, sir. Sup, he says, reveal myself to them. I'll reveal that I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you see, the sup he is going to reveal some things to you. He's going to show you, I'm alive. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not a dead God. I'm a living God. And I can give you power over the flesh and over the works of the devil. I'll give you strength in your time uh, uh, where where you're falling short and you're unable. I'll come and I'll be the strength giver on the inside of you. Now, so you see, Jesus... When he was here, when he was departing, he asked for one thing from the Father. If You'll read this in John chapter 17. He asked for one thing in his prayer to the Father. You know that one, what that one thing was? After he had given his sacrifice, he had paid the price of redemption. He had given his life. He had lived in the path he walked for. You know, he asked for one thing, that where I am, they may be also. Awesome. In other words, he asked for your fellowship. Yes, right. And this is what God is asking of every one of you today. Yes, As a believer, yes, he is asking and desiring one thing, and that's fellowship. Yes. Remember, this is a bride-groom relationship. Right. A groom and a bride and as they, as they are lovers together, he's bringing her to himself and whispering the love secrets. He's telling her about our future home. He's telling her about things that are to be. He's telling about the rapture and how you're going to get to that home. He's telling you about who is this Melchizedek and your theophany. All of these things, he's whispering love secrets. But you've got to be in love with him to be interested in what he's saying. Because he's not whispering this to his flirters. You'll never get it, just flirting around it. Now, so he asks in his prayer for your companionship forever. Then how much in return should we desire him. Like I, tell, like I told Jeremiah, the young man that came to the altar, I said, you did not come seeking God. You might have thought you did, but you weren't. God was seeking you. It was never Adam in the garden after the sin saying, God, God, where are you? It was God saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? You see, it is never man seeking God as God seek in you, and then to think about that the Almighty God would seek you out, Amen. that He wouldn't pass you by, but He would come by your tent and knock at your door, waiting for an invitation for you to invite Him in, and not just in, but sup with Him. Brother Branham preached sermons on door in the door, and he said, you get inside, there's a lot more doors that's gotta be open. Door of pride, all kinds of doors. You got to let him in. Now, so again, Paul would say in Galatians 4 and 9, 4.19, my children with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. So look, Christ lives with us from the moment we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but there still has got to be a growth within. You see, day by day, we've got to give him the opportunity to grow and, and to be formed in us. And as we do, Christ will be able to express himself more, more fully through our daily life. Brother Branham would illustrate it like this. He used this illustration. He said, like a button. He said, just like a little button, when a man is saved, that little much of him is God. It's like a little light that comes in you and you quit doing what is wrong. Now, if you can take all the malice and envy and strife and unbelief out, that little button light of light and the power of God will keep growing and growing and growing, crowding out unbelief. And you'll do it by sanctifying by a sanctified, consecrated life, not by exhortation of bodily exercise, but the Holy Spirit moving through you. So you see, in every facet of life, whether it's business, whether it's study, or whether it's war, there is no safety but in advance. Amen. To stand still is to go back. To quit trying is to lose ground. To slacken the pace before the finish line is to lose the race. But one sure sign, and I want you to get this, one sure sign of a Christian, a real true Christian, is a deep longing and a steady effort to know more of him. I want you to think of it. As I told a young man who was, he found a girl that that he thought he liked, and you know, found that she was worldly and wasn't doing what was right and had was rebellious and so on, and you know, maybe found some undesirable things there and realized she needed the Holy Ghost. So he backed away. And now she's had an experience with God and He's going again to seek God. And to find maybe this might be someone I'd be interested in because has the Holy Ghost. I said, you know, the Baptists had their evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost when I believed on the Lord. Yes. Yes. The Pentecostals had their evidence of when they received the Holy Ghost, as I spoke in other tongues. I said, but you see, we we of course must believe and we do believe in speaking in other tongues. But what we're looking for is more than one thing. And you young people, when you're looking for a a mate, you want to find uh, the Holy Ghost in that person. And you're looking for more than one thing. Well, they shouted and they screamed down at the altar and they spoke in other tongues. That's good. That's good. Well, they believed on the Lord and they believed the message and they they accept all the true doctrines. That's good. But you're looking not just for one or two things. When we look at a tree and try to discern what it is, we look at the bark. It's got to have a certain kind of bark. It's got to have a certain kind of leaves. It's got to have a certain kind of fruit. You can call it a peach tree all you want to, but if it's got acorns on it, it's not a peach. You see, we are looking for more than one thing. We're looking, we're looking, that's what you're looking for in your life. You're looking for more than, I came to the altar and I spoke in other tongues and I shouted, or I screamed and I'll tell you I got, I I wept until the the altar was wet. Let me tell you, I know from experience, I can go back to my very early days in in ministry in the old church, where I'm talking about the old, old church. When I was about 18, 19 years old and preaching there, a young girl there came to the, to there, got into conviction, came under the altar and wept all over that altar, up and down, sorry for all of her sins, only to go right back out into sin all over again. Never did come back to church, never did go on with God. You see, repentance is a lot more than just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is turning from. You can see a lot of crocodile tears. Sometimes even sincere tears. A lot of them, they're sincere because they got caught. Sincere because, you know, and they're crying and, and because of all the heartache and trouble that sin brings and sin brings heartache. People can cry over that and go right back into their sins. What we want to see is change lives. Amen. It's like Brother Brandon said, I don't care how much you jump, I just, what kind of life did you live after you jumped? Nothing wrong with the jumping. Nothing wrong with the shouting. But go and live the right kind of life. And that's because Christ dwells in you. Now, see, you keep pressing on. It's like he said in the Messiah. When a man is converted, it's like a little white button starts in his heart. And when he's born of the Spirit of God, that part is God. That's God's Spirit dwelling in him. If he can let it grow and take all the root out of the roots of bitterness and press God's way through him again, he can come back in the same condition that he was in the Garden of Eden. Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, Verily, verily, I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said will come to pass, you can have what you said. That puts, that puts him right back in supreme again. It puts him right back in that condition. So I'm just gonna say, I don't care how long you've been in the message, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, there's still a place of growth in your life. Amen. You should be leaving the things that are in the past and pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Never a slacking back, never a running back, never a retreat. As I preach Sunday, we've got to ascend ascension hill. We've got to possess what others have failed to possess. Now 2 Corinthians four sixteen. for which cause we faint not, That though our outward man perish, and you're going to get depressed, worried, fretful, afraid, sick, weary of it all. But the inward man is to have a renewing day by day. So your inward man needs renewing. That inward man is Christ and he needs feeding and he's coming by and he's wanting to sup with you. He's coming to abide in you and he must be entertained. What am I trying to say? You've got to entertain the Christ that is in you. Now, again, you know, many times people think, glory to God, you know, I got so inoculated with the Holy Ghost there at the altar, and i tell you, the Holy Spirit moved all over me. I danced, I shouted, I cried, I spoke in heavenly languages. I did all kinds of things. I got the inoculation, Brother Tim. Well, you know, Brother Brandon believed in booster shots. Amen. He believed in booster shot. He said, I'm so glad to be inoculated. Oh, how the son of God took his own life and injected into my life, injected in your life. And he comes down and energizes with his presence. You know, when you get a serum, every once in a while, you get inoculated, but you have to get a booster. And what the city needs in the Pentecostal church today is a booster. Hallelujah, don't boost it on saying we will make a few more organizations that'll ruin your prescription. Go right back and take a booster of the very same thing that come at the first place, the same baptism by the same experience, the same Holy Ghost, amen. Glory to God forever and ever, uh, amen. Glory and power in the resurrection of Christ, he shouted, and he said, the things that I do shall you do also because you're inoculated, amen, inoculated with resurrection power. Oh, what a fortitude of glory divine, amen, I guess you think I'm noisy but it's just that way, I guess you think you'd get noisy too, inoculated, branded so glad that I know where I belong in the house of God so not only do you need an inoculation you need your regular boosters and I'm asking you not as Till Biden of a vaccine that don't work. But I'm talking about a vaccine that's a sin cure. Amen, don't you realize you need a new booster of it today? Amen, a fresh inoculation, a fresh experience, a freshness of the Holy Ghost in your life. So you see, it's like in the days of Israel when he poured out the manna and he gave them food for, for their weary bodies there. It gave them manna, bread from heaven. That bread from heaven would actually type Christ. Amen. And so think of it, if it types Christ, that they would just gather enough as what was needed for the day, Amen. right? And if they let it just go over uh, a day, it would breed worms and stink, right. 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 is that right? Now, God gives his children new bread every day. His mercies are new every morning. He gives you, he he wants you to have a word for the day, every day. Say, well, I had a great experience last Wednesday night. Oh, no, you should have had several more experiences since then. Because what you got with tonight now has wiggle tails and worms and stinks. You've gotta have a fresh experience today. Amen. I know we don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. You look and see what happened to religion. They just kept down at the same old thing and they, they look looking here and say, look, Luther gave us manna. And what it is, it's wiggle tails in it. Worms, it stinks. It don't save from sin. It don't nourish the body. Amen. amen. Well, I'm Presbyterian. I'm Baptist. Or, you know, I, you know, I, I'm Pentecostal. I'm, you know, it's just a, it's just an old handmade loaf of bread, and it's just as filthy and made up with the hands of man. But when you can get the testimony fresh, Amen. amen. This morning in prayer, the Holy Spirit baptized my soul freshly. That's the kind of experience that children of God should have. Amen. Listen, not a denominational life where you have a Wednesday experience and a Sunday experience, but every day is a walk with God. Amen. Now, so you see, it's, it's angels' food fresh from heaven. That's why Christians should always read their Bible. Amen. Amen. For the Holy Spirit feeds on the Word of God. So if you're going to feed the inner man, what are you going to feed him? The Word. Amen. And so the food is the Word of God. I mean, we're not going out here and killing a calf and dressing it. Okay, make some unleavened bread, Sarah, and come on, we're going to sit this down before you. No, we got to stand there watching the Holy Spirit within us be fed on the Word of God. Because Christ lives on the Word. The Holy Spirit loves the Word. Amen. Right. Now, Brother Branham, would, well, I'm just going to use some of his for examples because he was a godly man, a righteous man, a prophet of God. And he says, I really wish to read from the Bible. He said, I just love reading the Word. The Holy <laughs> Spirit feeds on the Word. Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if you just take it each day, not just as a routine, but oh, I'd say to make it that your heart craves for it. See, the soul's desire to sit down each day and read so much of it, you'd be surprised what it would do to your spiritual growth. All right. yeah. What? Reading my Bible? Yes. Oh, I wish I had the time. I've got it right here before me of what really being able to take the word of God personally for you because I I want you to understand it's a love letter. It might have been written to generations or generations before, but it is a personal word directly to you if you'll take it in the right mental attitude that this is for me. This is the word of God to me. And you'll take it literally for yourself. Amen. Are you with me? So you take it just every day. You know, it's, it's sheep food. You know, again, uh, there, there's all kinds of examples. Sheep food, eagle food, all kinds of uh, dove food. You know, uh, again, because God would liken his people to eagles, to lambs, to doves. And every one of them have a, an appetite and they only eat certain things. A real, a real eagle there, he's called a ripper with the beak. He wants fresh food. I'm not talking about these vulture types. I'm talking about because vultures and eagles are two different things. When you're a real eagle, you want something that's living. That's why we are typed as eagles in the Bible, especially in this age, in the eagle age. We have to have the fresh-killed meat of the Word. And when we do, you see, it's, a, it's alive. The heart is beating in it. And when, a, when an eagle rips on that carcass there, the blood flows and it gets all over him. Amen. He's called a ripper with the beak. That's what the literal name for eagle is. And he rips his food. He doesn't eat what is dead and what is gone by. And what have others vulturize on uh, of an age past? He's got to have fresh food for today. And it's got to be alive. It's got to have some power in it. It's got to have flowing blood in it. It can't stink because it's been left over from another age. But it's the word of the hour. The same way with the dove. A dove has no gall. So therefore what does it do? It eats only pure things the corn and the weed and the seeds and things like that you know you will not catch it on a carcass of an animal amen you won't find it on dead and rotten things its diet is pure and you're a dove Your, your diet has got to be pure amen a lamb he's not a pig a pig would eat anything But you see, a a lamb, he eats sheep food. We're gonna talk about that here in a minute, but right now, you see, we're to feed the flock of God, you know, not with man-made theology, but you feed them on the Word because that's where sheep grow from. You see, you feed them the Word, and and of course, you said "Feed to Peter, feed my sheep and feed my lambs because lambs and sheep eat two different things. One of them is a the young of the sheep, and it, it 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 eats the milk of the word. There's a necessity to not just preach and then minister. Do it a lot of times, just preach way over the head of people. You know, way over the head of the lambs. But you know, when you're preaching, you got to throw out a little lamb food too. Sure, preach the deep mysteries and the deep things of God, but get it where the young people can get it too and understand and walk out of here with something in their heart that it changed them. Somebody with me now? Now, so in the, in the Bible, we find that Jesus was the hidden manna. Christ is the church's manna. And that manna in the Old Testament was what come down from heaven fresh every night. And the New Testament, the Bible speaks of hidden manna. So what is a hidden manna? Jesus Christ is a hidden manna. Here in a little while, the world will see me no more, but you're gonna see me. I'm gonna appear to you for I will be with you and I will be in you to the end of the world. Is that right? So it's hidden manna. And that's where every day comes a new blessing. Something new coming down from God. A hidden manna coming from God out of heaven. Christ revealing himself on a daily basis. Not a denominational life of Easter and Sunday. Or just a Wednesday and Sunday, Sunday. Or just a Sunday, just Sunday. Or just a Sunday, one Sunday. Let me tell you something. If you're finding yourself always missing church, I would look for a spiritual problem. Well, I, I've, been, I've been sick a lot, Brother Tim. I, I had this ache and pain. Ron Spencer takes away every excuse you could ever have. And where are you going to stand on a day like that? I would check my appetite. I would see why is it that my inner man is not requiring more? Have I dwarfed him? Has he become a midget? Is he is he somehow or another? You know where I really ain't putting the effort forth anymore. I tell you what, if you were—if you're were sick, and I'm not talking about coming here with COVID and flu and all kinds of junk like that, where it's contagious. But if you're—if you've got a, a, a chronic e- illness, I'd come to the house of God, and I'd come expecting that the healer is in the house, and I was going to leave out of here better than worse. You see, man shall live by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. So Brother Brandon would tell you, how can you stay home and be just as good a Christian as you could be at church? He said, you can't do it. Read the word. The Holy Spirit feeds on the word. The Bible is God's spiritual diet to his church. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings it to you and places it in the heart. And with thanksgiving, you water it. And every divine promise will produce exactly what God said it would do. That's why I would like you to read the word. That is personally to you. Now, you see what the devil wants to do? He wants to separate you. Like a burning coal is burning bright. Take it out of the midst of the flames. Like a deer, there, you know, where, you know, the, like a deer, you know, he get a little deer out by itself. That's the one the wolves work on. There's a lesson. If he can catch the deer away from the herd, that's what the devil wants to do. So you young lady, he wants you to go out with a boy that's not a Christian. Young man, he wants you to go out with some little painted up Jezebel. You know, he, he, somebody that's not a Christian, that's where he wants to tear at you. He wants to catch you, that's right. set a trap for you. And you. And, and now I'm coming down, and this is the prophet's word, you old man or woman, oh, yeah. maybe you want to identify with that, but you old man or woman, when you separate yourself, believer, people say, I can stay at home and be just as good a Christian as I can at church. You can't. The Bible said, forsake not our semblance of ourselves together that much more as we see the time approaching. So if you're a Christian, you long to want to go where other Christians are and fellowship with other Christians. You can't stay away from church and live the same life. You can't do it. So while I'm hungry and you never go to the table, you got to go feed on the word of God and fellowship with one another. But when you get yourself singled out and away from the rest, making yourself a little different, mm-hmm. won't associate with them because they believe this or won't associate with that, you're on dangerous ground. Right. Yeah. Keeping away from church, find one of your choice, remain there, be a Christian brother at all. That's the way to be a real Christian. Then we got fellowship protection, people love you and pray for you. And he said, that's the success of my, pe- my meetings is because people pray. Yeah. Amen. Oh, that we can have more success than even in the night tabernacle because of people praying. People calling on God, Lord, we need you to move. We need you to speak out of heaven today. We need you to reveal yourself. You see, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Ghost in you. It feeds on the Word of God. You see, it actually takes control of your body, and it brings your your body to church so that it can be fed on the Word of God. It craves the Word. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, it feeds on the Word. It doesn't feed on television it doesn't feed on true story magazines and love books and, you know, uh, the people calling yourself Christians you wrap yourself up in. You see, those, those things are uh, influences. I preached a sermon many years ago on the, the influence from hell and I showed from out of Hollywood where, where the wave of sin was coming. Right. Brother Brandon would call it in 1954, the invasion of the United States. And he said it would start in Hollywood and it was spread out through the nation. And you look now where that people are of one mind. You wonder how in one generation that you can change the mind of the masses where it's acceptable now for same-sex marriage. Where you can change the minds of people to think that young people and young children can change from a boy to girl or a girl to boy. You wonder how it can be done. It's been done with mass media from the vision of hell. Amen, but God sent a vision in this day. Amen, it's not a television. It's a prophet who told us a vision. And that vision there was to transform you by the renewing of your mind to become a word bride, a word people. Now, so what are you feeding them? You see, a lot of things about you, as I said, we're looking for the whole man. What are your desires? What was your desires? What was was you before Christ came in? What, What are you now? What was your desires then? What are your desires now? You see, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for a nature change. Well, I shouted and run the aisle. I'm looking for a nature change. Yes. That's what God's looking for. Right. Right. So you look at the magazines that you're reading and listen to what's... Brother Bradham would use these terms himself in magazines and radio and, uh, you know, of rock and roll and boogie-woogie, the music you listen to. He said, I can tell what kind of spirit you got. Anymore, it isn't. Magazines and newspapers are almost absolute, Absolute, obsolete. I'll get it right in three times. <laughs> but it's it's about you know they, you just about don't see a newspaper anymore. Don't read one. It's it's all there on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer or, or whatever else. Wow. But I want to just say, what are you feeding on? You know, you get some feeding on the news too much and you know what you'll do? You'll get oh, so up angry of everything that is going on, things that you can't even fix yes. and that you really shouldn't worry about fixing because what we should be doing is preparing to leave here, not preparing to stay here. What are you feeding on? What kind of music are you listening to? You see what kind of what kind of music you see? Spirits travel on words. Those words will come in songs. Those words will come in things that you read. It comes in the eye gate and it pollutes the soul. And I'll tell you, if you have the Holy Spirit in, it'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Now let me just tell you, I preached a sermon again many years ago, I guess I'm going back in the memory some something today. But I preached a sermon on divine energy. And I talked about when you pick up a book and you read a book, the words that you pick up from there energizes your spirit. And when you, when you read a book, energy is transferred to you. It's something that your spirit feeds upon. An electrician will study a book to become an electrician. The books the doctors and nurses digest help them become doctors and nurses. Books on psychology transforms a a regular person into a psychologist. So even books on sex and violence positions the mind toward immorality. And what you're seeing, you see, is in television is books on steroids. Yes. Now, I don't really need to preach about television, so most of you. you don't have one. You got rid of that years ago, but you got YouTube in its place. Right. And every kind of thing right there. Yes. Right. Now, if books do this, what of and can transform can transform a man, a regular man into a doctor through his studies, what can the Bible do? Yeah. It's divine energy. It didn't come from the S-U-N, it came from the S-O-N because all life comes from that sun. And that energy can be transferred from you to you from the very words of God. Yes. Jesus said, my word is spirit and my word is life. Amen. So his words are spirit. Yes. And when you read them, they become spirit. Yes. And when they become spirit, it's a quickening power yes. to energize you to righteousness. Yes. So if books do this, what about video games that are turning youth into killing machines? I, I know that the video industry is in denial, but other studies show that violent media concludes that violent video game exposure was linked to incre- increased aggressive behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. But it's a waste of a life. I know, I know young men that are, and men that have wasted their career because of addiction to video games. I know of young people that have wasted their studies at a college because of an addiction to video games. I know, I know of marriage troubles that have come because of people being addicted to video games. And when you get that addiction, there it has got a purpose to transform you into something as a child of wrath rather than a son of God. It is Satan's design for this evil age to get into your mind and therefore transform you into an angel of death instead of an angel of light. Studies show that children become numb to violence. They imitate violence. They show aggressive behavior. They have emotional behavior and learning problems that can be influenced by these violent images. Sad to say, there's too many of our young people that are watching those things. The Holy Spirit doesn't feed on that. You see, the great man, Abraham Lincoln, has said he had two books and they influenced his life at an early age. And one of them was the Bible, the other was Pilgrim's Progress. And it molded a character. So this is why we can say, just let me go to your house, see what kind of pictures you got on the wall. Go to your home, your office, what kind of music is playing. Look at what you read and you can tell pretty much about your inward man, Amen. And, and because of that, you see, homes are not what they should be. Families are not what they should be. A family altar is not is not there where that family is called to prayer. The Bible should be read. Come on, I'm talking about healthy families. And i tell you, you young men, if you start now and this becomes a pattern for your life and you set with your family, you'll find a, you'll have a godly family. So it ain't, it ain't wait till I get married to start it. It's right now, you start your walk with God and begin to build a relationship with Christ. You see, movies and music do the same thing as the violence. Rap music will make young people will make them move towards sex and violence and evil. Rock and roll has moved the whole generation toward rebellions. Because spirits move on songs and words, the lyrics of those songs. You see, again, you, 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 can, you can see what it has done. It has is, it is shaped and molded a society until America is no longer a Christian nation. But she now takes on the very nature of the beast, and it's because of what she has fed upon. Rap music will move children, young people, or anybody toward evil. toward toward, toward. You said, Brother Tim, uh, a young man said to me, Brother Tim, I just love country music because it tells about life the way it really is. I said, Not my life, <laughs> not my life. I mean, tears in the beer, you know, and, and the wife has left me and the children, are, you know, we're left alone and, you know, we're, you know, all of the sorrows of life with country music. If ever I'd like to do is take that country music and play it backwards one time. The man quits drinking, starts working, has a home, has a marriage, goes to church, Come on, we keep playing that old country music backward, we'll have some real Christians. Amen. Same thing with your rock and roll and your rap, you can turn it around and say, i got some different kind of life. The life that I now live is not after the flesh, but if after Christ, the son of God, he lives in me. But look what has happened, Hollywood has pushed the gay agenda. Until it's now so common, it's taught in our school, it's forced upon little children that a boy can become a girl or a girl can become, be a boy. And it's because of an immorality that the world has fed upon until the whole thing is Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at the difference between how Abraham treated the angel of God and Sodom treated him. The Bible wanted to tell you, said that the Sodomites said, let us have those men that come to you, that we will know them. In other words, that we can have sexual relation with them. You see, they had become so evil, they would pervert angels. We are here in a day, and hour where Satan and sin is so evil that it pervert the very word of God. I listened to a song the other day, you know, they don't know, they don't know the Jesus I know. Let me tell you, the Jesus that is being preached in the world today is a Jesus that is a gooshy-washy-wishy, wishy-washy Jesus They don't care how you live. He just loves everybody and he loves you in your sins and wants you just to come as you are and just stay that way. That ain't the Jesus of the Bible amen, that Jesus and the Bible planted a whip and drove them out of the temple, amen, there and he delivered the people amen, you don't come to Christ and remain in your sins you've got to be changed in his presence but you see God made two different covenants he made a covenant with two different plans, he made one for the man he made one for the woman, they're two different altogether. this is why the Bible teaches a man should have short hair a woman, in other words, cut hair, and, and, a, and a woman should have uncut hair. Because they're under two different covenants, this is why the Bible is clear, it's an abomination to God for a woman to put on a garment that pertains to a man. He's not even, she's not to even look like a man. It also says that a man's not to put on a woman's garment. Amen, they're altogether different, women and men, try to; women try to be like men, and man becomes so sissified, he's like a woman. Amen, even in the generations past, uh, Brother Brandon spoke, he said, I saw a boy in Cincinnati looked like Miss Kennedy. The hair was, was out way like that. He said, God wants a man to look like a man and he wants a woman to look like a woman. But he said, the reason that they're doing it And he said, the Jezebel system of the devil has got the whole world in corruption, not a sound place at all. It's all putrefied swords, swords of cancer, malignancy of the devil that's eating the very core out of the systems that they got set up there. Satan is a vulture feeding upon his own kingdom. He is the devil. He is impure. He is the father of a lie and he feeds on the flesh of his own people. And it's something today when we see the struggle and young people pick up every, not just young people, but a lot of others pick up every fad that comes along, every fad that comes along. That's why even in his generation, the prophet of God would scream out against the duck tail, the hairdos on the guys with the collars turned up because of the spirit that was going through the country riding on Elvis's music. When it was a fad and identified with rock and roll, I preached against goatees. Why? Because it's an identification of that music, rock and roll. Right. You see, you, you don't think Brother Bradham recognized that? Yes, he did. He, he, he stood right there, and he preached about Elvis lookalikes. He preached about identifying yourself with the world and the fads that are going along. Is somebody with me? Amen. You see where, they, they get, where men will get so wound up in the cage of sin till they can't get out. And yet they're hunting for something, but the soul desire should desire God more than anything. Amen. 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 I'll just read this on identification. Brother Bradham went through the whole sermon of identified with Christ. I know today this is modern men, even modern message people don't want to hear this kind of message. But in identifying with Christ, you see, if we take men, men, you catch them on the street or in their business. The old man wants to be a teenager. He'll cut his hair off on the flat top and make a duck tail in the back. He wants to be a teenager. The teenager wants to be like one of these rock and roll kings. Where do they wind up? In sin and disgrace. Man seems to be unsatisfied. He's running everywhere. They'll listen to radio for jokes and things. These jokesters pull. They'll go out and try to mimic or act like those people. Take a little boy. I know it. He's, he's got to be Paladin or Hopalong Cassidy or the commercial world gets a hold of it, makes millions of dollars out of it. He goes on, talks about it. He said, you know, they take that as a standard of life, as an example, and, Little fellas run out and become gangsters and robbers. Women turn to be prostitutes and streetwalkers and delinquent people. Men turn out to be gamblers and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Churches try to impersonate the other church, the big church. And what it would just seem, there's no satisfaction among people. What makes them, it's, it's, it's for a cause, it's a nature. God gives them a nature and they got a nature that makes them want to have something to identify themselves with. They must have something they want to be like, an objective in life. They want to be a movie star, a cowboy, or something on that idea. I was hearing the, on the radio coming home, this little humorous here, when, when some great Italian man at Denver was trying to play a hop Cassidy with something with a loaded gun. Instead of that, he's going to be a Chester the rest of his life. He shot his kneecap off. There you are, they're trying to something, find something to identify themselves with. And the reason they're doing it is because there's something in them that God made them that. But God made them an example to be identified with. And that was when he made Jesus Christ become your savior. That's the example, that's what people should want is to be identified with Jesus, to be like him. Amen. You see, you are to be a new creature in Christ, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You see, people call themselves Holy Ghost filled, and you can see there's a buzzard living on the inside of them because it's still eating on the, on the foulness of the world. The world still has an attraction to them. You see, you need the Holy Ghost in there. and when the Holy Ghost comes in there, then that soul desire has changed, and you've got an appetite for the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, you see, again, you, you will realize you cannot love the world or the things of the world. Let me just go this. Brother Branham would talk about this in the message thirst. Preach a whole sermon on thirst, which is soul desire. He said, you neglect to read the Bible, believe the Bible and the Holy Spirit to feed upon that, you will die. Jesus said in John four and three, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, not just part of it. We take a little here, a little there. He said, I call that a Bible hitchhiker. In other words, somebody get on here but get off there. They'll believe this but won't believe that, amen. You gotta take it all word by word, man shall live by every word. Again, if you neglect to feed the, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus said, every word shall be by the Holy Spirit. And listen now, if you try to feed it the wrong thing, if it's a genuine Holy Spirit in you, it'll know the difference. And remember, the Word of God is what the Holy Spirit feeds on. It don't feed on enthusiasm. It don't feed on education. It don't feed on church going. It doesn't feed on theology. There's a lot of difference between an inspired something or a theological standpoint. And that's what we're trying to say, friend. We've transformed the message so many times in just a theological, intellectual thinking without inspiration without the anointing. Amen, until it's just a theology. That's not the way the word is to come. The word is to be spirit and light. It is to be inspired, anointed, and with quickening power to change a life. Amen. Oh, my. Uh, But you know, we've had men like in the days of Elisha, So many of them that, you know, when Elisha went to the school of the prophets and they want to entertain the prophet, there was a lot of them that come in there and kind of gathering up some food and one went out to gather, got a lap full of of wild gourds, thinking it was something good and it was poison, there was death in the pot. There's been a lot of things that has gone on in the message that has brought some death in the pot. Amen. Contaminated with one idea or another idea. One of the, one of the biggest contamination is a Baptist idea of just believe the message and you got the Holy Ghost. That is a wild gourd. It's death in the pot and it'll kill our young people. Amen. You got to have the power of God. Amen. Now, Jesus, when he was here, they tried to feed him something one day. He said, Well, I've got some meat that you don't know, uh, know about. They said, Well, did somebody feed you? You know, if somebody brought him something to eat, he said, my, will, my meat, what gives me strength, what my diet is, is to do the will of the Father, of him that sent me and to finish his work. If there ever was a thing we should be doing in this hour, we should be consecrated on one thing, finishing the work. We are the finishers. We're the last runners in the race. We've got to put everything we've got into it. And our strength will come by doing the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is the word of the Father. Yeah. Amen. Right. Amen. It should be our zeal. It should be our burden. All right. All right. Yes. Amen. Why, your capacity for the words should have no limits. Yeah. Right. Right. For those needing adoption, one thing Brother Brandon said about them, he said they fill up real quick. They're like a little bottle got a little bit of capacity for the Word of God. So they want a 15, 20-minute sermon. Brother Duplessis said to Brother Branham, one time he said, Brother Branham, um, uh, or he, he, was, he was saying because the service went long, he said, I suppose I kept those people too long. He said, Brother Branham, I think the people feel like I do. We're, tier, we're tired of hearing sermonettes by preacherettes to Christianettes. I know even in my tabernacle don't that. Sermonettes by preacherettes to Christianettes. Amen. No, we, we want real word of God, things that have changed and transformed a life. Something that'll give you an absolute that when the storms are coming, you know that you know that you know who you are and where God has placed you in this hour. Amen. He said, My used to our services. Why, we didn't even get started good till one o'clock in the morning. And of course, that was the evening service. And he said today, he said, a 20-minute sermon's all they want. And he said, I like to mince and eat. He said, I like to sit at the table. And he called it mincing and eating. You know, take a look. You know, we had a, years ago, my, my wife and I were newly married. And of course, you know, we had hosted ministers that came. And and. And uh, I had this minister that sat at the table and he looked over at what we had, what we got. Well, she made chicken and dressing. Mm, I don't like chicken and dressing. Well, I said, sorry, that's what we got. So, you know, he started eating, got some, he kept eating. Got him some more and kept eating. I said, I thought you didn't like chicken and dressing. Well, I like this. It's <laughs> this really good. I said, you want some more? He said, no, I'm just getting a little more of this so I can finish up. <laughs> you know how it is sometimes. You know, you got a plate full, but you just need something of that other little dish there to bring it back and kind of, you know, to finish that. Got to finish the meal, but you want everything there. Got a certain taste, certain flavors you're trying. That's what Brother Brennan said. I like to mince and eat and mince and eat. You know, just take of it, sit at the table. And he said, you know, I like to stay a long time. He said, I I, I saw Brother Neville the other day preach about 45 minutes and saw him look at the clock and said, yeah, Brother Neville, you're getting it also, 45 minutes. That's not long enough to get started. He's just getting interested. I'm just getting stirred up to a place where I was feeling pretty good, and he cut it off. What a shame. (laughs) Amen. Now, but you see, the Holy Spirit, it takes the Word of God to feed the hungry soul, and eating accompanies fellowship. So the Holy Spirit likes to eat and fellowship with the believer. Amen, so we're all gathered around the great table. And I want you to know, God has provided so much for this age. Amen, you've got an abundance to eat. You don't just have Luther's justification or Wesley's sanctification or Acts 2 and 4 of Azusa Street. You've got the whole menu. The seven course menu, the seven seals are open the mysteries are revealed, the, the, the seals are taken off the book and the entire word of God is available to you. Amen. Yeah. Can you imagine? You don't ever have to run out of anything to preach. Oh, yes. That's right. Amen. Amen, there's always a bunch more. I know you thought, I would've been just even a month ago, been through with this on Abraham, and here, here I am right here, why? It don't run out. Amen, Amen. it doesn't run out, there's always more. Amen, God revealing of the bounties of his blessing, that seven-course menu. Now, as we're thinking about this, sometimes you wonder, and I want you young people to think of this, because you want to ask sometimes, how can a Christian get deeper in the love of God? How? What can I do, Brother Tim? Here's the answer. Read the word and pray. Amen. What? That simple? That hard?
1: Right. Amen.
0: Read the word and pray. You see, in our day and our age, Satan's got your time taken up. He's got your mind filled with every kind of thing. And so, as I said, it's easy. It's very simple. Read the word and pray. This is a question asked Brother Brown. How can I get deeper in love with God? Read the word and pray. He says it twice for emphasis. Just that simple, but that hard. Because you're going to have to will to do the will of God. Now, he says, how many reads the word daily? And I'm not gonna ask for your hands because too many Christians have never even read their Bible. Just start in, right in and make a habit of reading a chapter every night and before you go to bed and a chapter every morning just as you get up, it don't take no time until you know the Holy Spirit feeds on the word of God, it's good for you to read. And then he said, people just simply read it. Join church and let it go at that. They don't sit down and read. The Holy Spirit feeds on the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when you get saved, the best thing to do is sit down with your Bible and constantly That builds you. You see what God did. It's not like reading some novel. You're reading so you can hang your soul on every punctuation of it because it's the Word of God. And every time God says anything, you know how I punctuate it? With an amen. That's right. That's right. So that's how we should punctuate all of God's Word with an amen. When God says, Thou shalt and thou shalt not, And so forth, you say amen, not say, well, I would this way, I ought to be this way, but just say amen to it. And water it with praise. And when the word is preached from the pulpit, do like Rebecca did. She watered the camels. The camels represented the power, the beast represented the and she watered with praise the camels that was going to take her to her bridegroom so when you're in the house of God what are you to do? you're to say amen to the word you're to rejoice in truth amen you, you gotta water it with thanksgiving as the Holy Spirit goes out and breaks across the crowd and there is it moves there you move with it and you water it There's a lot we can say on that, but I'm running out of time and there's some things that I still want to get to. in our, in our service today, remember, a lot of this I'm doing because as a shepherd, I am to watch for your souls because yeah. I must give an account. Amen. And I must give an account to preach to you the whole counsel of God. So we don't want to just feed you an educational program and, you know, I teach you the do's and the don'ts. You know, we, we, want, to, we want to have the, the preaching of the gospel of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we're looking at this, uh, as we're talking about this, we want to just realize that even in our service, you know, realize what you're feeding on. Yeah. Realize it's the word of God and, and that you're to water it. You're to respond to it. You are to give your attention to it. You are to have the hallelujahs and the amens and raising your hands and, and clapping your hands and worshiping. You're not applauding a man. You're applauding the Word of God. You're saying it's right. Amen. I don't want your applause. I want you to applaud Him and His Word. You know, you're feeding on the word. It's not some dead carrion that come from ages past. It's right here is the fresh manna of the word of God. Amen. Why do you think, though, Brother Bradham talked about moss-backed Christians? Because Christians get so long in the waters, they turn green. They sit so still, so there so long until they're really not in it really anymore. They're just growing moss. I don't see you getting moss on your backs. I want to see it alive in your life. The Holy Spirit moving within you. I want to see it pour out His spirit on all flesh. Come on, somebody. I'm a woman well upon my sons and on my daughters. I'll pour out my spirit. Amen, I want to see where our thoughts are on him until they're spiritual dreams again. Till, till young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. Amen, where the God is speaking in his word and the flowing of the Holy Spirit through the church. The gifts of the Spirit working in, in the body. But I wonder how many Christians are living a denominational life. They just come to church regular, but through the week they're filling up on movies, video games, Facebook junk, YouTube makes it available where you can gum your soul up with every kind of nonsense. I went to a doctor's, I went to a doctor's office this past week, and two employees were, were talking about how tired they were. They'd stayed up late watching a movie. Said so it was supposed to be based on a true story, but it was terrible, and it was awful. But I've watched it and I can't, can't hardly get my eyes open this morning, can't hardly do my work. I was way up and uh, way up late. I, I, I wanted to say, just because it was a true story don't mean it's fit to watch. Well, it's a true story, that don't mean it's something you ought to be feeding on, looking at. It really happened to so and so well as a so, so it might have, but that shouldn't be what you're feeding on. Amen. 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 Now, you're to be married to Christ. Amen. Can you imagine at nighttime, and I'm trying to bring this down to close, and I will here in a few. But I'm gonna mince and eat just a little more. Amen. Amen. You're a farmer, you're a mechanic, a preacher, whatever you are come into your little home, you're longing to get there. You open your door and your sweet little wife greets you and she's all prettied up and cleaned up, walks over, kisses you on the cheek, Dad, you're tired. Sets you down in a chair, sits on, la- on your lap, puts her arms around you and pets you. Seems like you're not tired. He just picks you up. Yep. It's something that God gave you for a purpose. It's a part of you. It's a true wife. But what if those lips have kissed another man that day? or Some other time. What if you're conscious of that? What if them arms has hugged another man? She'd be an abomination on your lap. That kiss would burn like a Judas kiss. Those arms, you'd rather, they wouldn't be around you. She might be all prettied up, her hair curly. Her eyes may be pretty eyes and her cheeks rosy. Her skirt's iron, be so pretty. But if that real, genuine, godly love and respect and confidence isn't there, she'd be better off staying off your lap. You don't want nothing to do with her. She's an endowment. Don't matter How pretty she makes herself, she's still wrong until she's proven to be a genuine, real sweetheart, loving nobody else but you. No other kiss from her lips but yours. No other arms that has held her but yours. And you know it. What a feeling. What a consolation. You see, that's a husband and wife, which is a type of the church. When you go to the church, You can have the best pews there is in the city. You can have the best organs and best music. You might dress the best. You might sing like mockingbirds. But if you're kissing and flirting with the world, that kiss on the cheeks of Christ is a Juditarian kiss. He looks upon you and he sees the wedding ring is gone. The tablet is missing. Vine's love is gone. It's just a form. Vine's loyalty is gone. You've committed fornications with the world. You're watching things you shouldn't watch. Participating and feeding on things you should never be feeding on. Watching dirty television programs. And Brother Brandon would call that 1957 dirty television programs. And he said, you're committing adultery against the God of heaven. Oh, Brother Tim, we don't do none but just watch reruns. Ah, oh, you're just harmless now. You this is baby stuff, Brother Tim. Committing adultery against the God of heaven. You either believe in to be a prophet or you don't. You either believe he was a spiritual man or he wasn't. You can say, well, my my opinion, you can just go ahead and exalt your opinion all that you want to. But he said, you're committing adultery and the coming of the Lord is at hand. If you were in danger then, you're in danger now. But he's knocking. Laodicea don't want him. He's put out of his own church. Like David, the anointed one by God, but refused by the people, they'd rather have a Saul instead, yeah. a man to rule over them. I'm gonna close with this. And this is found from the Song of Solomon, and I'm using a different, a little bit different translation for easy reading, so I won't refer to the chapter and verses, but if you go and read uh, the Song of Solomon 5. It tells about how that you know, the, 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 the bridegroom, the husband comes home and, and he's knocking. He's wanting in. And she says, listen, my beloved is knocking. She recognizes it. it's the Lord knocking. Remember Laodicea, this age, I stand at the door and I knock. And he is saying, open to me. Open to me my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless ones. He gives her all these names, these sweet names. He's standing at her door and, and he's calling for his maiden, but, but the sound of the voice was not enough to persuade her to open. She just kept laying. there. She hears his voice, but she don't make a move. She recognizes it's him, but she just keeps laying in bed. The appeal of his presence, simply knowing he sought her out. And if you just think about it, you didn't seek God. God sought you. And here he sought you out and at your door. That should have been enough to persuade this, this wife, this maiden, to go open the door. Just hearing his voice, the voice of a beloved. The sound of his call should have been enough to get her to rise. And Jesus said, you heard it. If any man will hear my voice, there's been the voice of God in this last day. You have the Bible. You've got Genesis to Revelation." but you've also got the message to the Laodicean from the seventh church age messenger. And there's so much for you to feed them. If you will hear the voice, open the door. Listen to me. Open for me. That should have been enough for him, for her to open the door. And then he praises his maiden, you know, with all of these really warm and soft, complimentary turns, you know, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one, amen, and and so he he gives an appeal of tender names, he's calling her, my beloved, I chose you before the foundation of the world. I knew you before that you were ever born and I called you to be a bride in the end time. All of these things that he speaks of you, you know you're blameless and you're sinless and you've been washed and you're my undefiled, you're my my love of my life and he's standing at the door and he's knocking. And yet, with all of the things that he said, It didn't get her to open the door. And then he uses another persuasion. My head is drenched with dew. My hair with the dampness of the night. I'm uncomfortable. I'm standing out here in the cold. I'm damp with the dew of the night. I went to Calvary for you. Paid the price of redemption. I've given my all to you. Open the door. But with all of this, you'd think that would warm her heart. It didn't. She didn't open the door for the beloved and let him in. In fact, the matter is, with everything that he's done, his voice, his compliments. His, 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 speaking of his own discomfort. I, my hair is wet. I, my, my back, I, I'm filled with the dew of the night. I've been out. I've been toiling for you. I've done all of this for you. Open the door for me. Let me in. Now listen, this is not a stranger. This is a husband coming home. And here as it is, She only makes excuses. She's comfortable in her bed. She's at ease in Zion. So he can't come in. She can't be bothered with the inconvenience of dressing herself, preparing herself for sleep again. She says, I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Do I need to soil them again? She's not willing to be inconvenienced. Now, I told you already, reading your Bible and praying, making a time morning and night for this Word of God. Yes. But how many don't want to be inconvenient? She did not appreciate maybe the unexpected visit. I don't know. Maybe he come in a lot later than she'd expected of him and she was annoyed. Maybe it was her effort just to control the relationship. I'll let you have as much of, of, of me as I want to. I'm not giving my whole self. Why should I run as soon as he knocks? I can, I, I, he can wait a little while. This can wait. Whatever the specific reason, she refused just to promptly rise and and open the door, and the Bible said that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The Bible tells you about losing your first love. What'd you think about it? Her, her problem though, you know, was not that she didn't go to the door. She, eventually she did. But she went slowly and reluctantly. And she was making excuses all the way. Her attitude showed an insistent of spirit. You know, she was thinking about her comfort and, and not at all about the bridegroom's desires, the soul desire. Now, maybe the girl felt resentment toward the bridegroom. Perhaps he had delayed his coming. The Bible tells us this will be a part of the end time process. Men will say the Lord has delayed his coming. So, with part of his coming is a delay. And in that delay, people get weary, slothful, lazy, sleepy. The girl maybe felt resentment towards her bridegroom. He delayed his coming. She's not more interested in her sleep, her needs, her comfort, rather than his needs and his comfort. It reminds me of how we have become more interested in tarrying until he comes instead of his coming. We started out with the emphasis being on his coming, but we are winding up with being more interested in the tarrying process of waiting, of doing this and doing that and living life just like it's gonna go on for another thousand years, it won't. This is Laodicea, the last age. Look all around you, the end time is everywhere. My beloved has put his hand by the latch of the door He's rattling the the latch. He's trying to get her attention, trying to wake her up. Come open to me. The maiden could hear her her beloved put his hand on the latch, and the mechanism of the door is a clear and final indication of his desire to enter and to be with her, but was only going to be at her invitation. I want you to get this. He would not break the door down, he would not bust the latch. It can only be at her invitation. God is waiting on you, like Abraham, to run to meet him, to stand by him under the tree, to see to his every need. I hope you're getting it. He insisted she open it, not him force it. The husband refused to force himself upon his maiden and will only enter at her invitation. He will not break down that door. Finally, she rises and she says, I arose and I to open for my beloved. She had delayed a long time, delayed out of self-interest, self-indulgence. Maybe... Connect Something connected with her resentment of, of it didn't happen when I thought or I've been disappointed along the way. Or, and he, she finally gets up and she goes to the door and what she does, she feels there on the door handle. Her hands dip with myrrh and she noticed the latch of the door has been anointed with a sweet perfume he had left her a love note and then went away. Left her a love note, just the smell of him was all that was left. And she looks for him and she can't find him. You see, there will come a day when men will look for God and never find him. That's why Jesus said, Seek you, seek me, me while you may. Amen. You know, right now, today is the day of salvation. You never put it off. You never put God off. You don't push him out of your life. You put him first place. I rose to open for my beloved. My hands dripped in with myrrh. My fingers were flowing with myrrh on the handles of the boat, bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone my heart sank at his departure. I looked for him. I didn't find him. I called for him. And he didn't answer. All you need to know is the Bible. God said himself to those that he calls. He said, there'll come a time. I'll call. I won't call anymore. You'll call. And I won't answer. I called, but he gave me no answer. Now the roles are reversed. First it was him calling. She wouldn't answer. Now it's her calling. He won't answer. She had foolishly waited too long. Want you to get the start. Now, then she goes out in the streets wondering, in the night seeking for her lover when she should have been in the safety of her own home and in the arms of her beloved and under his protection but instead he is outside of his own church Laodicea I stand at the door and knock and the watchman find her and the watchmen of the city found me and struck me and they wounded me and, 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 you know, there again, she didn't find her, her beloved. Neither did she find help from the watchmen and the keepers of the wall that actually took her veil away from her. Not only was she unsuccessful in finding, but those, you know, didn't, that, she, that did find her, they didn't sympathize with her enough. And she felt they mistreated her. And I really wonder... When I I review the scripture, it's because of her guilt and her shame and her neglect of turning him away and letting him stand outside drenched with with dew and thinking only of her own comfort. Now she don't interpret the correction of the watchman as a beating. Many look at the message now and the messenger. As being too harsh, too hard, too judgmental, too unloving, too unsympathetic. And here she corrected by the watchman. She feels wounded by them. And the watchman say, Why did you do this? How could you have turned him away? Your laziness after God is your crying sin. And this perceived treatment by the watchman reflects the girl's guilt and the sense of failure at the slowness of the response to her husband. Amen. And is in correction by the ministry because of your failure to worship him? We're not, not dressing with holiness to please him or listening to his voice. Watchmen have a responsibility. And sometimes you feel like I walk out of church and I've got a real beady. Listen, you should have never quit listening to his voice. You should never be wandering out there dressed the way you are, looking the way you are, acting the way you are, or coming to church and refusing to worship him. And you get angry. Oh, the the watchman beat me. He beat me. He said something about because I wouldn't respond. He he beat me. He beat me. Listen, it's our responsibility. We're watchmen. Send the girl back to the house. Get back there in your position. He's going to come again. And when he comes again this time, don't turn him away. Open up the door for him. Fellowship with him and he with you. See, it's a reflection of your own guilt and a sense of failure and, and your neglect of the bridegroom by letting him stand out drenched with dew, begging to come in. Now listen. The greater the dignity of the person offended, the greater Is the offense. Let me say that again so you can wrap your minds around it. The greater the dignity of the person offended, the greater is the offense. If I would hit one of my brothers, they're all adults, and I would hit them in anger, not joking, but in anger, it would be a great offense. If I were to hit my daddy, It would be even greater. It would be a greater offense if I hit a police officer. Greater still if in anger I would hit the president. Could you imagine? Get an audience with with Mr. Biden and slap him? That would be a great offense. You know, the world's got... In England, a new king to hit the king would be a great offense, to hit King Solomon would have been a great offense. But the greatest offense if I was to hit and anger the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, and then his death, people turn a blind eye and spit on him, and similar. To how the bride, so to speak, turned her nose up at her beloved knocking at the door and didn't open his voice. See how the offense gets greater depending on the dignity and the worthiness and the regard of the person. Brother, father, police officer, president, Solomon, king of kings, to the king of kings, the Lord of Lord Jesus Christ. And all sin is evil. That sin against our great God is the greatest of evils. To turn him away when he's knocking is the worst offensible sin. No wonder the watchman beat her. No wonder they sent her home. Get back to your position. Look what your slothfulness has done. Look what your sincerity has done. And the maiden goes and says, Daughters of Jerusalem. Now she regrets it. She's suffering because of her previous action, her, her slothfulness. She says, if you find him, tell him I'm lovesick. Yeah, yeah. Now she's lovesick, but not all in the sense you know that she was in like the earlier Solomon, uh, chapters of the song of Solomon chapter two, but pre- previously, she was uh, overwhelmed by his love, but here she was aching at his absence. Oh, he's gone You see, in our spiritual life, there are some sicknesses that we get. Sin sickness, when the soul hates sin and wants nothing to do with it. Self sickness, when the soul comes to hate, self indulgence, and self seeking, and self exalting, and self reliance on every sort. Love sickness. Of the first type, when the believer is so deeply moved by the love of God that they can hardly bear it for themselves. See, she becomes lovesick. This is what I want you to do get so lovesick that you're sick of sin. So love, so love sick with God until you're sick of your own self and your selfishness and your pride. Lovesick until. When he's missing from your life, when you don't hear him, you feel distance and even deserted. And you long for renewal of closeness. The Bible said, as the the deer panteth for the water brook, so thirsteth my soul after thee, O God. I want you to bow your heads with me as the musicians come. And I want you to look at your own life. He knocks. Are you opening? He comes down, he's calling you all kinds of wonderful names. My bride, my chosen, my elect, my people, my sons, my daughters. He gives you all these endearing, endearing terms, trying to get you to open. He speaks over and over and over again. His voice, the voice of God on this last day, ought to bring you to a new level of sincerity, dedication, consecration. And I'm asking you look at yourself. Are you really feeding the inner man on the right things? What about it? Are you slow to respond to him? Sitting in a service or are you, do you just let it pass you by? And Oh, I've heard all this kind of things before. Go ahead and give me the key of E flat. You know what I want to play. What about you? He knocks. Are you making excuses? You remember there, there was an invitation to come to a wedding in the Bible. One said, well, I bought a, I bought a, uh, a land and I got to go and see it. Another, I, I bought a yoke of oxen. I got to go do this. It wasn't bad things buy a yoke of oxen, I married a wife, all these excuses that they gave not to come to the wedding supper, that wasn't bad things, that wasn't being bad people, but it was bad to turn down his invitation, there was nothing more important than him. I wonder today, do you really realize who you're pushing out of your life? The greater the dignity of the person, the greater offense. To think that God would come and knock at your door to give you an opportunity. Say, I want to deliver you. I want to bring you into a new relationship. I want more than just Make a denominational ch- Christian out of you. I want to make a real son of God out of you. I want you. I want to wash you and make you clean where I can say you're my undefiled, you're my dove, you're my chosen, you're my love. You're the, I'm taking you to heaven with me. Can you let him stay outside one more moment? Why be reluctant to let him in? What about your daily life? Are you letting him in there? What about your prayer life? Are you letting him in there? What about your Bible reading? Are you letting him in there? Oh, you won all the video games, but have you ever heard every sermon that the seventh angel brought where God was speaking to this generation? see you're gonna get your got to get your priorities right make every excuse of why not to come to church you're too tired you do this you do that one day you're gonna scrub your feet stand there with a bowed head when you see men like Ron Spencer go in takes away any kind of silly excuse you got you got a house of God and a place of worship and you don't come support it. You're not here Wednesday night, hardly any Sundays. Find any kind of excuse, hunting, camping, whatever else, to be out. He stands at the door. Pleasure-mad world. Pleasure-driven people. And they don't have the desire of the soul. What is your soul desire? Do you want the rapture for more than anything? Do you realize the people that's going to leave from here are those that are saying, even so, come Lord Jesus. That it's the love of your life. It's the joy of your heart. I want you to think it over right now. Who at my door is standing? Patiently drawing near Entrance within demanding This is the voice I hear Sweetly the tones are falling Open the door for me if thou wilt heed my call I will abide that part of the life of your life will you make him first place. Maybe I'll start here with a sinner today that you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're a backslider and you've been away from him. But I just start right there. He knocks. If you feel just the least a little bit of knock, a little tug in your heart, would you move toward him? Maybe that move could just be just a little hand lifted up start right there and just say Lord I need you don't pass me by I want to open the door for you I want you in my life God sees your hand would there be another right there God sees you too he hears a humblest heart cry he wants to come in your life he wants to make something real out of you take something make you a genuine Holy Spirit filled Christian would there be one more just lift a hand to God and say I need you Jesus Would there be anybody else that would be here in this service today and say, I I see my neglect. I see where I've let him stay at the door. I I see where I haven't really given my all. I see where I really need to make a step forward. And I want to make a step forward today. I I lift my hand to you, Lord, right now. And I just say, Jesus, I want things different in my life, Lord. I want a real love affair. I want, I want my soul desire to be right. I see there's some things there that just ain't quite right. I haven't been just the way I ought to be, but today I want to lift a hand toward you and say, I need you, Jesus. We just come by my way? I open the door for you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the word today. Thank you, Lord, for this hearts that you've touched, tendered in your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, may every one of us today just check upon our own lives, see where we're lacking. May the sinner, the backslider come to know you as Savior, Lord. That they open that door and let you come in. Lord, let you be Lord of their lives. Some of them have walked in rebellion and been slow to respond and or it didn't respond at all. and wasn't even half-hearted. But Lord, they come to you today, hands across this building, saying, "Lord, I want to come and make a new commitment to you, a new surrender of my life to dedicate myself anew." Sweetly the tones are falling. Open the door. I call, I'm by, Billy Jackson, come right down here, door of my heart. a real Christian and surrender your heart to him let Jesus be the king of your heart Father bless this child Lord there's something so special about him since a young boy he's sought to know you Lord he's imitated the way that his mom and dad he's following the examples of his of his papa and his uncle. He's seen you in the lives and he wants to be a real Christian too. Thank you for his little life, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will bless him today as he takes this little step towards you, takes on the name of Jesus Christ and identifies with you. When we got children that are identifying themselves with every kind of, false hero jackson wants to identify himself with you a true hero take on your name have your spirit in his life lord you said the promises for us and for our children to them that are far off even as many as the lord our god shall call thank you for calling jackson lord dealing with his life thank you father thank you father You promised me and my household I claim my children, Lord. As I claim my my children, my son-in-law, daughter-in-law, I claim my grandchildren, too, to serve you. I pray, Lord, your blessings upon them now. Thank you for this answered prayer. In Jesus' name. the truth we want to see him and to look upon his face and you know we want to be there in that number and uh, we want to go we want our children to go with us and of course you know we're here to obey the Lord and and all that he said and all that he said for us to do the Bible said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved he that believeth not shall be condemned it also says, and Peter said it this way, he said, um, that as, as, as Noah there was, uh, the, the world was baptized with water, he said, so are we to be baptized? And he goes on to explain that baptism doth now save us, not in putting away the filth of the flesh, but in the answer of a good conscience toward God. So we're here today, part of salvation is calling on the name of the Lord. And as he told uh, Saul on the road to Damascus when he was struck down by the pillar of fire and he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. And so then he was instructed to go and, and um, to Ananias and his eyes would be open and he was to be baptized calling on the name of the Lord. And the name of the Lord had just been revealed to him as Jesus. So all that we do in word or deed, we are to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the commission that God gave us. All through the Bible, no one was ever baptized in any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So we're taking on the name of our Lord, and just as a wife takes on the name of her husband, so does the church. A type of the wife is to take on the name of her husband, Jesus Christ. All of these things are true. When a son is born into a family, or a child is born into a family, takes his father's name, we are taking on the name of the one we are born from. When we're born again, we receive of that name so we're coming bringing Jackson here today as I explained to you he's a young man but he's given his heart to the Lord and he sincerely wants to serve the Lord so today we are going to take and baptize him in the name of the Lord Jesus so Jackson the Lord Jesus sent me into the world to preach the gospel now he commissioned his disciples in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord.
1: Hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord.